where do you invest? Do you invest in a source code which is running on a third-party machine and you have no chance actually to uh, maybe even download it, you know? And it is interpreted in some way and, and you have no control over performance and you just basically rely on someone else's scaling and performance tuning capabilities. Hey, welcome back to the show. And we are so honored today to have coming to us all the way from Eastern Europe, from the Czech Republic. Peter, will you please tell us who you are and what you do? Hey, so yeah, I'm Peter, obviously. Uh, I'm ex-IBMer trying to actually start some um, funny business. Uh, we are trying to help companies get visibility and control over cloud-native software development because we believe that the source code is still valid and that Hopefully not everybody will be replaced by AI and low-code, no-code solutions, and some people <laughs> will enjoy actually coding. And we want to help them actually with that. So that, that's our core mission, I would say. I love it. I love it. And, and who do you serve with that? Because I know that, I know that a lot of people, uh, small, small companies can get away with low-code, no-code. But you're talking about a solution that's a lot more complete, a lot more sophisticated, a lot more customized. Who are you targeting with this product? Well, that, that's a good question. So basically, uh, as I said, being ex-IBM, I had a really good experience in the very large enterprises. Uh, then yeah. I realized that basically as a startup, you have no chance to sell them anything at all, most likely. So then, then we <laughs> focused on, on Don't startups. Don't cut yourself short. Don't cut yourself short. <laughs> and uh, well, startups is a really good, let's say, uh, segment. But there is one problem in regards with the VCs, you know. They, they they churn and they they don't pay. So uh, uh, yeah, we yeah, we ended yeah. up with mid market nowadays, and mid market is our our core, let's say, company size, uh, and right. mostly logistics nowadays. We we actually somehow found out that logistics is the segment where a lot of amazing custom software development is happening. So yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think it's a smart play. Logistics is a huge piece of every country's economy, right? I mean, how do you get stuff from here to there? And tracking and all the tools that you can incorporate nowadays is probably pretty sophisticated. That's, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. And basically, you know, with the e-commerce that, that uh, actually hyped over the COVID era, you know, everybody started shipping 10 times more. So uh, the companies finally realized, well, we have to do something with our systems. So that, that, that I, I think it's it. good timing now. I think it's great timing. And, and I think that your messaging is very clear. And, and for those of you listening, I want you to go check it out. I mean, go to codenow.com and check out what he's doing. It is codenow.com, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Com. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, just making sure. So, a lot of IOs lately. I, I just about threw myself off there. So if you go check out his website, the message is very clear. Low code and no code have a place. But when it comes down to growth and scaling, which all of you listening are, are in the course of doing right now, you really need to be thinking about what Peter has to offer here. Peter, talk to us about, about why you set up to solve this problem. I know ex-IBMer, um, but what does that actually mean? Tell us what, your, what coding languages are you, are you experienced in? What kind of problems are you seeing that can't be solved with low code, no code? Well, so uh, let's put it this way. Uh, as... as medium or larger company, you put a lot of your investment uh, into your something distinct, uh, distinctive. You, you, won't, you can't get a competitive advantage by actually purchasing something, right? So, so you, need, you need to develop. Right. And then the question is, 
where do you invest? Do you invest in a source code which is running on a third-party machine and you have no chance actually to uh, maybe even download it, you know, and it is interpreted in right. some way and, and you have no control over performance and you just basically rely on someone else's scaling and performance tuning capabilities right. or you want to actually take right. it on your own and, and, and then, then right. you are basically guiding your own destiny. So those are totally. the companies that we are looking for. And uh, I understand that at the beginning, you know, most of the developers who are not experienced in, let's say, cloud native and distributed, they, they are struggling at the beginning. And, uh, right. Right. Uh, you know, uh, in the old days, let's say JE days, you was juggling with only few balls, you know, you, you had some, some uh, deployment <laughs> artifacts, few configuration files, that was it. Nowadays, when going to the cloud, you are literally juggling with hundreds of balls, you know, which actually takes right. you to automation. And then it takes you to how many automation languages and, and scripts you actually, you need to master. And then everything is infrastructure yeah. related. So suddenly you have a GCP right. stack and AWS stack. Well, then the question is, how do you reskill 150 developers in your own company? That's not cheap right. and it's not fast. So that's essentially the problem we are trying to crack. I love it. I love it. So as you come into a company and you see that they've got a fairly complex uh, architecture or, or tech stack, a lot of them are using off the shelf uh, or very low modified SaaS products, which again, there is a place for that. Mm. But let's say that you've got a, let's say you've got a $50 million company based off a tech stack that at any point could go under, mm. you're kind of crap out of luck. I mean, you could lose your entire database in an, in an overnight situation, right? Yeah, that, that, that's definitely true. And, and I believe that, you know what, you uh, there is a thing called domain-driven design, basically. And it says that you always have your core yeah. domain of problems. Then you have some generic domain of problems and supporting domain of problems. So I believe that right. using low-code, no-code in some somewhat generic domain where you are not really... Yeah. Uh, you will not cripple your business if it is down for a moment. Maybe your back office right. will be processing less invoices per hour, but it will essentially run. On the other hand, the customer facing, the thing that sells, the thing that actually makes your business your business is the core domain, should be coded, should be highly available, and you definitely have to have control over that. I love it. I love it. I get the argument, and I get what you're trying to do. And I think mid-market is actually a really good size for that because... Most of them are kind of exhausting the the available product that they're using right now, and they just don't know what to do next. And so I think the solution you're providing makes a lot of sense for most companies and say that, well, what are you looking at? 10 to 50 million, up to 100 million, somewhere in there, that, that kind of ballpark? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, definitely. All right. So if you're in that ballpark and you're listening to this thinking, crap. My business would die if I lost all my data. <laughs> then you should probably be thinking, I should be talking to someone like Peter right now. And Peter, you, you, this isn't the first time you've done this. You, uh, you came from the Czech Republic to the Bay Area, created code now. But prior to that, what, did, what were you doing in the Czech? I mean, what kind of led into this launch into the U.S. marketplace? And tell us about the, how these two kind of work together. 
Well, so essentially I had the idea for the product from the very beginning. The problem was that in Czech Republic, there was no one who did really want to invest into that idea because everybody told me, well, that's just a big boy's game, you know, and you're starting with three <laughs> co-founders. That's a very good, but we don't right. trust that you will ever deliver. So then I actually started a company doing professional services, mostly coding and advisory architecture. And that somewhat grew yeah. organically to something which is nowadays nearly $10 million in revenue. And Love that it. actually helped us to bootstrap code now. After we bootstrap, we got some seed money and we used that actually to move to US and, and to start actually the proper, let's say, VC journey. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So you've been you've been in that journey now for several years. Coming to the US and Code Now opens up in the Bay Area, raise a little money, and now you're off to the races because you're finding your niche, right? I mean, how has growth been now that you've kind of gotten here and, and you're you're now developing and you're building a local team? How is that growth going? And tell us some highlights. What <laughs> what's happening in the business? Uh well, so uh it's not going that bad. I mean, we are still doing something like, uh, uh, I don't know, 15, 20% month over month nowadays. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we can finally measure month, month over month growth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's nice. Huh? And uh, It's nice to get out of the startup launch area. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So, so, being a bit, bit bigger than just random luck cells, you know, so that, that's, that's, <laughs> right. uh, that's definitely good. Right. Uh, well, the most difficult part nowadays is, I would say, definitely there is a way different attitude in the U.S. than is in Europe. Let's say in yeah. Europe, most of the buyers and the buying personas, they are mostly focused on improving their bottom line. You know, we want to actually sure. avoid costs. We want to actually cut down the costs, you know, help us with that, you know. Right. In the U.S., right. I see that most of the people, I don't want to say that they don't worry about costs, but they are more focused on right. actually improve my top line. I really want to get new revenue streams. I want to actually improve my margin. I want to actually get right. my product, get, get my service out there faster. So that, right. that, that's, right. Right. that's something that we are somehow aligning with the European uh, 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 history, let's say, or uh, way of thinking. And definitely right. everything goes from there, you know. So how do you explain to your salespeople how to sell the product, which is that complex? I mean... Uh, right. Something that we are still somewhat cracking down is how to split my brain into several individual business functions that can scale independently. So when, when you figure that out, you let us know and we'll put you back on the show because that could be a good product. <laughs> well, definitely will do. Actually, it's a it's a fun thing that we have a we have a customer in San Diego that is doing something in in AI. Actually, but it's a company called Personal AI. Thank you, guys. And uh, yeah. and they are doing very nice product, actually, how to how to make a digital twin of your brain, how to make a copy of yourself to, to help you <laughs> with something. So hopefully I love uh, it. very soon I will be able to leverage their product running on code now to help me with that. Running a business, honestly, can leave a lot of founders and operators feeling lonely and isolated. If you have ever felt that way, trust me, I know what it feels like. And there is something you can do about it. You've heard a lot of our guests talk about the fact that being lonely and isolated is one of their biggest challenges in trying to run and scale their business. CaptainsCouncil.com. 
Go to captainscouncil.com right now and see what we're doing to resolve this problem. We want you to be a strong operator who has solutions and has a way to get around the challenges you're currently facing. What most founders don't understand is that you're not alone. The challenges that you're facing, likely somebody else has already overcome and they can give you the feedback you need to overcome them. Who better than your peers, other founders, other operators who are joining with you in a small group setting, a global community setting, as well as at our in-person events to guide you through these challenges that you're facing right now. Don't give up, keep on pushing, but do it with some good advice from your peers. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com and let me know what you think about the offering. We can't wait to see you there. Well, I love what you're saying, but you've learned this lesson already. And, I, and I'm assuming you, you're, you're, um, you're kind of not giving yourself enough credit, in my opinion. Here's what I mean. I, I think from what you've told me and from what you've explained to me before our call, just briefly, you've got a thriving operation already existing in Czech. You're now coming in and, and playing the launch startup raise money game in the U.S., but behind you, you've got hundreds of employees who are already operating as you in different departments. Am I wrong? That is true. Yeah. Well, uh, now nowadays it's nearly 150. Give people. yourself some yeah. credit, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 150 people is no slouch. That's a great company. Uh, well, yeah. It, it's it's uh, it's great people. You know, they're they're very clever, very smart. You know, and and we. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of a flat org, org chart, you know, flat organization structure. So they are basically right. managing themselves, you know, and therefore that makes yeah. everything way easier. So uh, yeah, yeah, luckily yeah. Not, not too many uh, OKRs and uh, KPIs and stuff like that, you know, to be to be validated every week and every month. So that, that helps. <laughs> That's great. Now, as as you develop that structure, though, this is a this is a really big deal. And I think that most people that listen to the podcast, this is where a lot of people struggle, is even setting up the type of org chart that you developed and set up for your business. Most of them don't even have that in place. Will you tell us a little bit about why you are so adamant about the the org chart in general and how you leverage that to to make it easier to manage all your teams and all your people? Well, so uh Let's put it this way. I was always uh, keen on on like a brand uh, and reputation, uh, reputation, you know, because I was always like, you you only have yes. one shot, you know, and if you screw up your brand, well, then then it will be difficult. I'm not gonna be IBM, you yeah. know. I know that the big brands they can avoid doing right. mistakes, you know. Uh, uh, I believe, and I, I think that small brands do not have this kind of a luxury. So I started only hiring senior people which was kind of a, awesome. you know, less margin. On the other hand, they were uh, self-sufficient, you know, and they were actually helping yeah, me yeah. and they were bringing the knowledge. So instead of me teaching them, they were teaching me and I could delegate I a it. lot from the very day one. So uh, I love it. That, that, that helped a lot, you know, and over the time, we just introduced so many juniors. So just we improved the margin a bit and put a bit of stability into yeah. the growth. Uh, so it's not so fragile, but essentially over the time, it was the senior people uh, uh, in the company that already knew how things work, you know, and they were able to right. overcome so many problems without me stepping in. So I would recommend 
That's smart. Start with the senior people. You know they are more expensive, but they will take a lot of uh, you know burden off your back. I love that you said that because that is a step that a lot of people, a lot of people skip. I mean, a lot of people want to get the cheapest people they can in, and they they will outsource offshore. They'll outsource to other places, and they really don't leverage awesome people mm. because. I think for for one thing, a lot of them don't know how to manage a senior level person. It's different than managing a a new hire or someone kind of fresh into coding or fresh in the industry. Tell us, I mean, how did you even think to do that, first of all? And second of all, how did you find yourself hiring people who likely knew more than you do about about your product and manage them? Was that hard? Uh, Well, I would say... uh... It, it it depends, you know, there are uh, business functions. So from the product perspective, the product people, that was kind of easy, you know, because uh, they they had similar experience because they themselves were working for incorporate uh, environments for many years, you know. Right. And, and the right, initial right, right. set of people, all of them, they had like 10 plus years in corporate development. So they very cool. much knew the problem I'm trying to address. And they did really right. love the idea. And because there was this chemical and uh, sort of a mission kind of a uh, match from the very beginning, it, it was quite easy, I would say. Right. Uh, That's later, awesome. Later on, there were other business functions like marketing and sales. Well, I would say that was way more complicated. Uh, but uh, after some time, actually, even that started working. So. That's really funny to hear you say that because I get a lot of people on the show who are marketing uh, and sales specialists and they always think, no, man, the product development is the hardest thing. And you just came in here saying the exact opposite. (laughs) Um, Tell us what, tell us about the challenge. I mean, obviously, uh, in my opinion, as a marketer, you've done a really good job on your site of emphasizing the difference between a low code, no code and coding, because Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think you're hitting a really solid messaging sequence on there. Um, how did you come up with that? And, and what other challenges did you face in that sales and marketing uh, arena? Well, so uh, code now and the problem uh, we are addressing is not really simple. You know, if you take a look on on what, what it takes, you know, to develop software, especially when right. you focus on enterprise grade quality, uh, security and all those aspects, you know, right. reliability, robustness, resilience, etc., uh, it's uh, hundreds of buzzwords and keywords. Most of the marketing yes. salespeople never heard before, you know, and they have only right. fuzzy kind of understanding what, what it means. And each time they get in front of the, let's say, buying persona in our world, it's somebody, VP of engineering, CTO, somebody like that, right? who is well experienced in that, you know. So at the very beginning of the conversation, typically there is a clash where the buying persona says, on the other hand, hey, man, you have no clue what you're selling me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm either going to speak to someone who has a clue or you're you're gone. So right. not, not many salespeople are actually able to cope with that, you know, that, that technical selling yeah. and that they are only the maintainers yeah. of the sales process. And it's the technical people with the technical pre-sale skills that they do actually convince the customer and validate the fit whether code now and, and the customer situation could actually play. So that, that, that. that's difficult. That's a great that's a great awareness that you have because I think that you're right. There's a lot of salespeople who can kind of 
talk about the buzzwords and what's happening on the outside, but you, with your particular product type, you do need someone very technical and with a personality, which that combination is harder to find, right? It is, it is definitely. And uh, uh, yeah, basically the, the most uh, difficult thing is the salespeople, they have this attitude, I want to close the deal. I'm the one who's going to close the deal. I'm the one who's right. going to convince the customer. Uh, right. Uh, here with now it's way more team play, you know, and uh, the salespeople right. Right. themselves, they have very little chances to actually close any kind of a deal. <laughs> well, that's a great awakening. And, I, and I'm glad that you've discovered that because I do think that with a company like yours, with a brand like yours and a background like yours, you really do just need to find that relative person who can who can mesh well with your buyers, which I'm guessing in most cases are going to be CTOs, mm. uh, uh, just product product managers inside of a company. You're not selling to the director of marketing. You're not selling to the to the sales leaders, even the CEO most of the time. And so that's a really, really uh, uh, heads up move that you've you've done there and transitioning that. Good play. Uh, it's uh, we we are still learning this kind of a combination, top down, bottom up, you know. Because at the end of the day, yeah. it's the developers who are daily users of the product, and when they are right. not happy, we are out of the game, you know, pretty soon. So even though if if the product does fulfill the needs of the higher or upper management, if the developers yeah. and team leaders are not happy with the way how it works, uh, it's it's not gonna fly anyway. So. In this sense, Love it. what we have to work with more is yeah, community building. Uh, that, that's something we, we can definitely improve on. I love it. I love it. Wow, Peter. What a fun conversation. What a great company. Um, you know, as you've been building and, and establishing yourself, I, I got to imagine that the move from Czech to the Bay Area was not very easy. Um, what were some of the big hurdles that you ran into and, and what have you done to overcome them? Oh, well, uh, the, the, so uh, there, there is the, let's say, the legal part of the problem, you know, how to run the company, yeah. how not to get sued, you know, where to get proper insurance, <laughs> what is the proper price for lawyers, right. you know, how to actually work with lawyers, etc. So there is a ton of things right. you know, that you have to learn. And you have, at the beginning, you have very little kind of a... Uh, how do you compare, you know, so one hour of lawyer uh, solving some kind of problem in Europe costs something uh, and and then you get five offers, which are 10 times more in, in Bay Area. And then and then later on, right. you find out, well, most of them, it was a ripoff, you know, and they were just abusing the situation that you're a foreigner right. and you probably have no clue, you know. So that, that's number one problem, <laughs> the, the legal part and how to run it in a cost effective way. Uh, right. And then there was the personal thing, you know, so then, then you're suddenly alone, you know, you have no network, you have nowhere to go to, you have, uh, right. well, the, not that you have that many, that, that too much time, you know, to go outside, but, uh, uh, but yeah. Again, yeah, you need to socialize somehow. So, so to build the first right. you know, basic network of people, that was also difficult. Uh, last it. but not least, that is hard. Personally, it's traveling because I have a son back in Czech and I'm traveling there and back, you know. So, uh, frequent flyer program, <laughs> definitely. <Yeah. laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's hard, and 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 that's hard. And and how do you advise other people that are trying to break into the U.S. market? I mean, that it doesn't sound awesome. It doesn't sound easy. How have you been able to do it? 
uh, well, I did actually uh, luckily find uh, guys, you know, from Inner Onion, or like a small expansion partners, you know, which are focused right, on actually right. helping companies. And they helped me pretty much. Without them, you know, I would not build the first network of people, either the professional right. or, the, or the personal. So, uh, yeah, definitely go out uh, and, and hire one of those companies. I would say that's the, that's the best it. way to do that. Smart. Smart, smart play. Very smart play. Yeah, I got to tell you, Peter, this has been a fun conversation. I appreciate what you've been able to do and how you're doing it. Keep on moving this thing forward. And for those listening, this is one of those inspiring stories where it is, uh, it's a big move to go international, but not impossible. And for most people, it can be the biggest blessing in their business to be able to expand and grow into multiple countries because you just never know. The, the dynamics can change in so many different ways in different places. And sometimes where you're making the most money becomes your, your biggest liability. And the ones over here are, not, are untouched by, by the effects of what's happening in that, in that other marketplace. So very, very creative. You know, Peter, who, who would you like to give a shout out today? Is there someone who's been in your circle who's kind of inspired you and motivated you to do what you're doing? Uh, well, sure, definitely. I mean, uh, I don't know whether you know, probably Sh- Shimon Vostri is a Czech guy uh, who sell, sold uh-huh. his company to Twilio and then was acting as a product director at Twilio and definitely smart guy nice. helping me with, with a lot of stuff. Uh, Daniel awesome. Lynch, uh, uh you know, Silicon Valley based angel investor also advising us pretty much how to do and how to correct the basic problems. So de- definitely these people, Filoninko was uh, investor to one of my friends company that, that actually made it like four years ago to us. So th- these guys did actually help a lot. Yeah. I love it. It's so good to have that core group of people to network with and kind of guide you through your, what you're doing. And those that don't have a guide, You've got to get one. I mean, you've got to be thinking. Peter has mentioned a couple times this group, and now that we've got the names, thank you so much for helping him and getting that thing to, to get help Peter get connected to the right people so that this networking can start, business can grow, and you find that you can actually run these businesses in multiple countries and find the success you're looking for. Peter, I appreciate you being here, buddy, and I appreciate you making the time to do this. Uh, I know you're typically in the Bay Area, but connecting with me from Czech, Thank you. I appreciate you do, taking time to do this for us. No, thank you for having me, Todd. It was, it was definitely a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. And for the rest of you, take a listen, make some notes, add to the comments, and we'll catch up to you on the next episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Enjoy. Hey, what did you think of that interview? I loved it. I, I love Peter. I think he's a great guy. He's got a great future, and I think he's built a great company so far. You know, moving internationally can be a real pain in the neck. I've done it. I've built and operated in Asia, in the US, and it can be tricky. The dynamics are very different, and I think he's doing a great job. I hope that you, if you're considering an international move, learn some lessons today from what he's done and how he's doing it. In addition, I hope you're really thinking about these custom software solutions for your company. You can't put the fate of your company in the hands of a SaaS company that you just can't control. So be thinking, when is the right time for you to change your software solution? When is the right time for you to get serious about the the, uh, customized solution that you need for your clients? It could be right now. How do you know that? 
talk to some other founders, talk to other operators, talk to other CEOs, and that's what you can do inside of the Captain's Council. Captainscouncil.com is where we have provided a roundtable of CEOs and founders and operators who are controlling the decisions in their companies. It is hard to know when to make a move like a customer software solution and what is the right time where your customers are demanding it and you just aren't seeing it. That's where you talk to other people. You talk to other people that are building these solutions themselves in their own companies and learn through your peer network. Imagine having an advisory board full of 10 to 12 amazing active CEOs that are currently operating their businesses and being able to ask them these questions like, what should I do about my software? What should I do about growing internationally? Does anyone have any tips on going to Europe? That is what the Captain's Council is all about. So take a look at it today, captainscouncil.com, and we cannot wait to join you there or on the next episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the content. We love providing stuff that's gonna help you grow and scale your company. So get back here as soon as you can and enjoy the next episode on the Growth and Scaling Podcast. We'll see you then.